This is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show exploring the memory of a country that no longer exists. I'm your guide, Peter Korchnak. When you follow the developments in the region of former Yugoslavia, you might get an impression of perpetual doom and gloom. Nationalism, corruption, emigration, COVID response. It can all feel like drinking from a fire hose of bad news. And so it's only natural that I jumped on a positive story as soon as I heard it. I mean, I said, okay, enough. I'm taking control of this. And I looked at it as sort of a gesture of resistance. In this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia, a story of art, bravery, and community in the lesser-known corner of the former country. But first, a reminder that, as always, this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia is brought to you by you. Thank you to everyone who has signed up to support me and Remembering Yugoslavia on Patreon or donated on the website via PayPal. If you like the show, please support its production by joining these generous people at patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia or donating one time at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash donate. I was born in Skopje, which is in now North Macedonia, in 1991. This is where I lived up until my mid-20s, and I have been navigating between Skopje, Rotterdam, and uh, Berlin ever since. You may remember Elena Chemerska from episode 27, All the Monuments a Stage, where she offered a foretaste of the story you're about to hear today. Chemerska is an artist. It is both her pedigree and philosophy that inform her work. Becoming an artist came quite, I think, naturally to me because I, I lived in this environment since basically forever. And I developed interest in art at very early age because uh, the people that I grew up with had uh, their lives intertwined with this. My father was an artist, so was his uncle. My grandmother was a professor of fashion literature. And so the tools for becoming um, somebody who would work in culture and in arts were there. In my artistic practice, basically, I explored the relationships between aesthetics, materiality, and politics. And um, I make work in various different media, painting, drawing, sculptures, and uh, these installations that I make, combining these things, And but I also work with video. My practice is pretty much in conversation with the modernist tradition. Here's what happens. I think that it is quite difficult uh, to think of an image uh, of the future. And then, of course, the modernist tradition is very much based into these projections of the future. So this is why I, I very often uh, unravel uh, sorts of historical narratives or narratives from art history that have to do with this discourse. I use collaborations with people because I think that it is impossible to not think of this sort of like a general intellect where different brains work towards some goal. This is why I uh, very often don't use a lot of I, let's say, in the way that I do art or in the work that I do or in the way that I present my works. But uh, they're mostly sort of like these projects that intertwine the work of m more people and uh, that are sensitive to this sort of past, present, future timeline, let's say. So then the stories that come out of them allude to a belief in, in a better future, social future. Remember this word, collaborations. Chemerska likes to work with others, and I think that's beautiful. Living and working abroad as she does, Chemerska is one of the hundreds of thousands of Macedonians who have emigrated in the past two or three decades in search of better opportunities in the West. There is a huge migration movement of young people who are migrating elsewhere in search of better life. And it's not always even about uh, any economic power, but it's something more substantial than that. We lack uh, basic infrastructure for a proper, independent cultural scene emerging. At the same time, she continues working in her home country. 
It is here that what may become her life's great accomplishment has unfolded. When I operate in North Macedonia, of course, I have a deep understanding of context. I think that what I can do there can be much more relevant for the local scene and local population as well. Local means the town of Kochani, some 100 kilometers or 63 miles east of the capital Skopje. Early settlement dates back to the Roman and Byzantine periods. The town was first mentioned in written documents in 1337. From the 15th to the early 20th century, it was under Ottoman Turkish rule. After World War I, it was included with most of the rest of today's Macedonia in Yugoslavia. Today, 90% of its 28,000 residents identify as Macedonian, 5% are Roma, and 3% are Turks. Correspondingly, 96% are Orthodox and 3% are Muslim. Whereas this is a place that people tend to leave, it drew Chemerska in. I've been going a lot to Kochani since my teens because my best friend, she's originally from Kochani and then her grandparents kept on living there. We went a lot in Kochani. So I did develop some sort of a relationship with the town, but then I think that that grew much stronger in the course of this project because um, I was there with my own uh, sort of background and my own reasons, but people didn't really look at me as a stranger because to them uh, it made sense. And especially like in the younger generations, Kochani is a very beautiful place. It's a small place, but there is river across the city, amazing nature, mountain, lake. Born in 1998 in Kochani, Martin Milev is a member of this younger generation. He's a university student of comparative literature in Skopje. I have here so, so good memories. There is my dearest people, but... You know, like uh, Tom Waits, I like my town with a little drop of poison, <laughs> you know, because every uh, young man here grew up only with the stories, how good this city was. And uh, today is mostly empty, maybe on, on summer when people come back <laughs> for where they live. And when it's fall and winter, it's it's so so empty. Everyone migrated or <laughs> waiting uh, to go in Skopje or outside the country. Uh, but there is still people fighting for what they believe and trying to do something with art and something about art. But big picture is not so good and you must do more and try to change it for better. I am Natalia Teodosieva and I was born and half-raised in Kochani. I work as a freelance actress. I am a dancer as well. And I work in theater and in movies. Teodosieva now too lives in Skopje. Growing up in Kochene for me is like exploration and adventures, you know. It's a small city, green peaceful place where I grew up freely, literally on streets. And all my friends from my generation and older, we all grew up outdoors all day long, playing in neighborhoods, parks, playgrounds. When you spend your time, uh, your free time as a child outside, then it comes naturally to take a few steps forward, to dive in in an exploration. Kochani is known for its geothermal springs, surrounding mountains, and being the home of the brass band Kochani Orchestra. Primarily, though, it is a city of rice. One legend has it that a man named Kocho went to work in China and decided to bring back rice. But because rice was banned from the area, he bought some geese, fed the rice to them, and thus smuggled the seeds inside the birds. 
Kocho then settled and cultivated rice in the place that was later named after him, Kochani. Another account has Alexander the Great bringing rice over from his conquests. Either way, the annual Days of Rice Festival is dedicated to the city's white gold. In its heyday, or should I say paddy day, Macedonia supplied 60% of Yugoslavia's rice consumption. The Kochani Rice Institute has developed a number of rice varieties. I have yet to determine whether anyone has made the Kochani version of the smash hit Rice Rice Baby. In all seriousness, according to Martin, rice growing poses a problem when farmers burn the fields illegally right about now in March and April. It's like Chernobyl. <laughs> White smoke, black, you can see the, the road when you're coming or going. It's so bad. But we, we make some protests. But no matter how many people will go to the protest, there is still uh, so much people who don't come. And uh, we are speaking here about uh, the air. And if people don't have revolution in, <laughs> in their heart for air, you can't have so good hopes <laughs> about changing things. I had somebody approach me recently. He's great. He's a musician who also studies comparative literature. And he's this young guy who made a wonderful video uh, and a wonderful song about Kochani, uh, my town, it's called. And it's also about his feeling and the feeling of all of the people of his generation that his city is dying off. Milev's artist name is Martix. He is working on his debut solo album. The song Chemerska refers to is Kochini Gradomoy or Kochini, my town. It's a song about our city and in this song I try to say some stuff who will be for every generation. Speaking about how was better before, what we do wrong. I pay respect for local band, local football team and speak about more serious problems like uh, migration of my friends, of young people about emptiness, darkness from this place, because if uh, it's in some news in the paper or television speaking about Kochani, it's mostly short horror <laughs> tragedy stories and how like my town, but I hate how they make them look ugly. And there is wordplay in title, uh, Kochani, which sounds so much like Kochani and some people think I make mistake, <laughs> but Kochani literally mean pigsty uh, and metaphorical represent the ugly, dusty and dirty side, but with hope about changing things. And uh, Monument to Freedom in music video is so important. Maybe most used location in, in the video, but in lyrics I have only one line about monument, referring to bad condition of monument because it's destroyed and in bad shape. And it's sad because when our city symbol is broken symbol, that speak to us too. <laughs> Градот празен будни јаси комуналецот Газа даски карактери маски балски Го чуваме утрото само јаси песот малски Кон дома секоја улица дала болка Овде сум преголем бисерно во премала школка 
Во колективен отпад И тој што плати на сте Белат мртва младина сте Нема вечно младина сте Ја крадат младоста Ја јадат како карциноми Секој сака да си оди Ти сакаш да си сонив Градот е црна хроника Која ја листаме од вестникот Глупав го старци на клупа што виснале Ко споменикот на слободата се распаѓаме Овде треба да е химна од Ана опаѓаме Од рагење во гради ко да носиме мразулци На смртна постела градот е молев да се разбудиш Да мразам, ти ме научи да љубам Често војувам со тебе, а најчесто губам По црно небо од птици и досада што свила крат А староста гнила, духот ни го скрила млад Овде се научив да мразам, ти ме научи да љубам Често војувам со тебе, а најчесто губам По црно небо од птици и досада што свила крат А староста гнила, духот ни го скрила млад Парадира мало грагенштината со шинат врат Прескапе аплаузот царува тишината Полни се се паринјата Така фичот и казината Жганот е на вината За украс стојат кината Откажи се од надеш Фатиле бигор порти А кочани се вкочани Упред својот ригор мортиса Тетките мислат стихови се ептенсиви Не би мислеле без своите антидепресиви Градо ме боли кога ќе те видам ниско Исток о осоко во близко до дно во Лига Исток Нити сум те висок но те виделе по старите Во друго време каде не те движеле со парите Нема шанси овде си бебе Мртво родено Секој ден битка со себе мозо грдо родео Јавам црни мисли пречесто ме фрла бикот Те сакам граду мој но мразам како ти го грдат ликот Овде се научив да мразам, ти ме научи да љубам Често војувам со тебе, а најчесто губам По црно небо од птици и досада што свила крат А староста гнила, духот ни го скрила млад Овде се научив да мразам, ти ме научи да љубам Често војувам со тебе, а најчесто губам По црно небо од птици и досада што свила крат А староста гнила, духот ни го скрила млад Градот Кочени, познат како градот на Оризот Се наоѓа во срцето на There is one more thing Kochani is known for. It's on the top of the city, you can uh, see it from everywhere. Built between 1975 and 1977 and unveiled in 1981 on the Lokubia Hill above Kochani, the Freedom Monument or the Monument of Freedom is a collaborative project between artist Gligor Chemirsky and architect Radovan Radjenovic, who collaborated on several occasions in the late, late 70s and the early 80s. And together they are the authors of several uh, memorial sites around the country. But this one, the Monument of Freedom, is maybe their most mature and most complex work that they have developed together. That word, collaboration, again. As was the case with other significant monuments, Radjanovic and Chemerski's concept was the winner of a jury design competition held by the government in collaboration with the Partisan Fighters Association and the local community. There was this general consensus that these sites of memory should be uh, built so that they would convey to the ear of the future narratives related to the anti-fascist struggle, which was basically the core around which all these different peoples would have gathered to form this federation of uh, republics that became Yugoslavia. So I think that this is also an interesting aspect to examine when you're looking at more recent trends in dealing with the urban fabric in cities, especially in the Balkans. 
Rajenovic, the monument's architect, designed a memorial site as an open space, a public space with an amphitheater that's built into it, which is to be used. So it's not only a statue, but it has its utilitarian uh, aspect. And um, it is also very interesting that in the way that it is built, they used different um, historical references. The blueprint is um, borrowed from how early Christian basilica would look like. The monument's footprint reminds me of the logo of the Slovenian record label Helidon, the logo of the Rebel Alliance in Star Wars, or some double-winged renditions of the mythical bird Phoenix. Then also there is this amphitheater that is a reference to antiquity, and then it is filled with contemporary content, which are the mosaics, and also the space that's open, in a sense, it's open to be inhabited by people performing and uh, filling it with more and more contemporary content. One of the ideas of this uh, monument is not only to be a monument that we visit for a couple of, uh, let's say, minutes or hours and we go. It's a place that should be a cultural uh, center as well, open air. Born in 1974, Vladimir Martinovsky is a professor of comparative literature at the Cyril and Methodius University in Skopje. He's also an author, writing prose, essays and poetry. In his work he explores the relations between poetry, literature and visual arts. That open space that you can see from up there, this openness suggests openness to the world and openness to the future as well. It's addressing the future. So in that sense, as an architectural object, it's already sort of um, has these temporal layers um, embedded in it. Quoting his colleague at the Cyril and Methodius University, sociology professor Antonella Petkovska, Martinovsky says the monument of freedom is an, an open temple, acropolis of freedom. The monument of freedom is open towards society, towards nature, towards all kinds of spirituality, open towards those who view spirituality in a different manner. The emanation of freedom, the emanation of human spirituality, and of a certain elegance, a moderation, combined with such a passion that exists in the mosaic are truly unusual and have a cultural but also a societal significance. Nine large mosaic friezes cover the 335 square meters or 3600 square feet of the undulating walls of the monument. Their author, Gligor Chemerski, Elena Chemerska's father who died in 2016, depicted in the mosaics the Macedonian people's struggles in the first half of the 20th century, from the Ilinden uprising against the Ottomans to the partisan resistance in World War II. Two friezes depict peaceful life in post-war Yugoslavia. On a higher plane, though, there is something timeless in these mosaics, the stories and histories that transcend political regimes and ruptures. Uh, you can feel... Uh one of his main concepts about uh, artistic and at the same time modernistic approach towards uh, visual arts, in which you can uh, also sense the previous layers of uh, artistic expression. I was really moved to see that he used the technique of mosaic, one of the most ancient uh, visual arts forms of expression, uh, in which you can uh, sense uh, this antique, but also the Byzantium, but also the, the folk art modes of expression, but at the same time, uh, it is really modern art. Uh, the colors, uh, the, the shapes, and everything you feel there is so dynamic. 
when he was doing the, the mosaic, he also had in mind uh, the dialogue uh, with the previous layers, cultural uh, and artistic uh, layers. And he is also uh, referring to the medieval uh, pearls of Byzantium art, uh, not only in Macedonia. He is also uh, one of the rare painters of our time uh, who was in a constant uh, dialogue also with literature. In addition to featuring mosaics, the Monument of Freedom at Kochani is also rare among Yugoslav socialist monuments in that it wasn't built on the site of or that it did not commemorate a specific battle of the People's Liberation War. Rather, it is dedicated to the grand idea of freedom, the figure of which is personified in the Lady of Victory, who soars above the center of the main frieze, squeezing in each hand like a Minoan goddess a snake. What's quite interesting and important is that a large portion of the funds that would go into the building of these monuments came from the community. The monument was financed with contributions from the town's residents to the tune of what would today be about 1.5 million euros. Forced or not, this sort of crowdfunding was common in socialist Yugoslavia. In other words, they literally were built by the communities that inhabited the place that chose to have these monuments. The Monument of Freedom was one of the last big monuments to be built in socialist Yugoslavia. Most of these monuments were built in the 60s and 70s. In the 1980s, socialist Yugoslavia's final decade, the monument was used as intended for commemorative events, remembrance ceremonies, community events and social gatherings. It was also declared a cultural monument and placed on the Register of Protection of Monuments of Culture. Since Macedonia became an independent country, the monument was left to the people's responsibility. It was ruined. <laughs> After 1991, the memorial complex fell into disrepair. Some of the elements, like staircases, were damaged, parts of the mosaics fell off, the bronze relief and inscriptions were pilfered for scrap metal, graffiti abounds all over. Art historian Nebojša Vilic has said that the negligence and reckless attitude the community has towards this complex also reflect the negligence and reckless attitude towards the topic of freedom. Regardless, the monument has remained on the list of top things to see in town. More importantly, it's been integral to the local community's life. It's also interesting to see how people from different generations have different views of it, or it marked different eras of their life. For most of the people that are my age or younger than I am, or maybe, I don't know, 10 years older, it is a place where they had their first drink, their first love, their first kiss, their this and that, because it was maybe the most beautiful place in the city where they would go up. My first memories about that place is going with my granddad and he gives me pen and paper and I start sketching mosaics. And later we used to go there uh, when we was younger and perform with my friends to uh, make our unofficial concert <laughs> because uh, the place have good acoustic. And later uh, and still today, mostly in summer, we hang out there uh, when we like to escape from big crowds. That's one of my favorite places. That's the place where I where I grew up, you know. I have a lot of stories there on the monument. At first, uh, I felt like I'm not supposed to be there, like I'm in some forbidden place because it was all ruined, you know. Nobody go there or only grown-ups go there, you know. It was like place when you're seeing it from your house, 
you know that means something. It's big. It's beautiful. I was madly attracted by the that huge and colorful mosaic, but the view there, and that's how I started go there. I was very very small child when I was going there. I I don't know if I I was at school in that time, and in the beginning I was not familiar with the story, only just staring at the mosaic. And as I grew up, I became familiar with the story behind, and every detail that I discovered by, about this place. My admiration was only increasing, you know. Young people uh, never stop going there, but only in the nights, you know. And that was the part that it's scary about this. And when I was uh, like a teenager, I was going there, you know. We play guitars there, we drink alcohol, we were telling stories to each other. And somehow I grew up there. All my wishes and all my desires and all my dreams... I I made them there. I mean, everything came from there because when you go there on that place, it's so inspirational. It's high on the hill. You can see the 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 the, the stars at the night. You can see the clouds uh, in a day. You have mountains around you, and everything you need to do is just dream, you know, and just feel yourself there. For the older people, it reminds them of a period when the city was much more sort of um, rich and powerful because it produced rice, like that whole region produced rice for the whole of Macedonia and also exported to Yugoslavia a lot. So the building of that monument and the commemoration of the people who lost their lives in the war was for them also their connection to their elders, to their parents. It was also an expression of the cities um, expanding and growing. Every generation has phone memories from this place. You know, our parents and older friends will speak about how they go to theater performance, music concert, and after that, there is one period of big hole, of emptiness, of nothing happening on that place. But last two or three years, it's, it's better. When someone from other town come to us, we first take them to see the monument, you know. And we must say, sorry, it's not in <laughs> so good condition, but we still love it <laughs> and hope they will get restored and make some changes and monument will be back to life <laughs> and finally will be free. <laughs> in 2004, the municipality of Kochani financed a modest restoration project. Gligor Chemerski oversaw the restoration of his mosaics. But since then, deterioration has continued. In 2015, Pink Floyd Project Macedonia tried to raise funds to restore the monument into a concert venue, including for their three-hour laser show of their favorite covers. They fell short of their goal. And in the summer of 2018, the first of two editions of the Freedom Music Festival took place at the monument. Then along came Elena Chemerska. The original idea or why I began to work with this is that uh, it was quite, let's say, an activist impulse. I felt I needed to do something about the poor condition in which this monument was, because it really was in a poor condition. And Macedonia was, at the time when I began doing this, not that it's any better now. Uh, it's a whole decaying wasteland. But uh, I really had this strong feeling that I had to do something about it. I had recently endured a, well, a deep personal trauma related to my family. And at the same time, I am a part of 
of a generation, still am a part of a generation that was born in Macedonia, that is constantly enduring serious hardship and pressure basically in every sphere of social life, uh, which is probably due to a constant and complete uh, failure of the system to provide any of the basic requirements for a decent life, as well as its total corruption and uh, erosion. So uh, this was so widespread that uh, it was inevitably inscribed in all of our private lives. So I really felt like uh, I'm losing a bit of the ground that I was standing on or that there was some sort of an alienation from what I considered to be my, my home. In one of the texts she wrote about her project, Chemerska stated she had begun to physically experience the neglect of the Monument of Freedom as a kind of neglect of her spiritual home. I mean, I said, okay, enough, I'm taking control of this. And I looked at it as sort of a gesture of resistance. It was quite sort of like, let's go. <laughs> the time is 2017. It all began with in a summer program organized by uh, ACTO Festival, which is a festival for contemporary arts that happens in Bitola. And for this occasion, together with a few colleagues, we made a video of a song called Freedom by a Skopje punk band that's called The John. And in addition to this, um, in collaboration with Architect, which is this um, publication about architecture, we published this um, pamphlet or a zine, which was dedicated to the Monument of Freedom or to turn the attention towards this place, which is decaying, but it also has something to say maybe that it would be better that it doesn't decay. So for this um, edition of the festival, we made the zine, we made the video, and also there were... Uh, two messages that were once uh, cast in bronze and um, positioned on the outer um, sides of the monument but were later stolen and melted for old iron because that's the state in which our um, cultural uh, heritage is. Those messages were printed out on banners and they were put on the entrance of uh, the Magaza Gallery which was the venue where the festival was held. One was a quote by the Ottoman-era Macedonian revolutionary Goza Delchev. We need freedom, as we own the night, we should also own the day, and this we shall achieve or die. The other was a very apropos quote by Josip Brostito. No one person can be great by themselves, I don't believe in superhumans, but I do believe in individuals who are capable of gathering people to join them in following the interest of the nation. Then it took me several more months to realize that this thing is really going to stick and that it wasn't going to go anywhere until I work it out. So then I came back to it with the intention to dig into it more seriously. And so I started collecting. I started by collecting materials. Uh, and uh, as I was gathering these materials, um, I realized that there is a lot of material to work with and uh, also that the aspects of the monument that could be looked into and all the different layers of meaning that it generates were also quite a lot. So I, I divided these things uh, one by one. I started grouping them. This was a whole challenge and a project on its own and it was I, I enjoyed it very much. 
and so, so then I started um, the the collaboration sort of emerged. Um, first came the theater play. Just a few days after the Freedom Music Festival on August 20th, 2018, the Skopje-based independent theatre of Navigator Cvetko performed the play Salonika City of Ghosts at the Monument of Freedom. The play was originally played at the Jewish Museum in Skopje, and that's where I saw it. And I really, really much enjoyed the theatre play because it's really nice how it deals with the convoluted history of the Balkans in quite like this humorous way. Our play, Salonika City of Ghosts, Elena Chemerska was a big fan of it. And she called us and had that great idea to play that play at the Monument of Freedom. Teodosieva was one of the actors in the theater troupe that performed the play at the Monument. The play is based on a historical book by Mark Mazower, Salonika City of Ghosts, Christians, Muslims and Jews, 1430 to 1950. The text is developed by Rusomir Bogdanovsky. The director of its name is Slobodan Unkovsky. He's a quite well-known theater director in Macedonia. And um, the music is played live by a musician called Slatko Rigansky. And the story is about um, Metropolis, I mean Salonika, the city of different religions and ethnicities where Egyptian merchants, Spanish Jews, Orthodox Greeks, Sufi dervishes, Albanian brigands, all rubbed shoulders, you know, lived and worked together as one. Uh, how this bustling uh, cosmopolitan and tolerant world emerged and then just vanished, disappeared, you know, under the pressure of modern nationalism, I guess. The relation between people, the empathy in Salonika, that people live there with a huge tolerance and different ethnic groups work like one. Kuchin is a small town and we don't have that much theater groups there and performances. So first of all, that was a good night to people to gather together, you know, to be here and talking about the same topic, talking about empathy, love. One of the reasons the play may have resonated in multi-ethnic North Macedonia, which is dealing with nationalism of its own, was that it's about a multi-ethnic community that was forever changed by nationalist forces. The municipality of Kochani and the Friedrich Ebert Foundation provided a portion of the funding for the performance. The play's announcement stated the performance was part of an attempt to reopen the existing and discover new perspectives towards the possibilities that the Monument to Freedom could offer to the citizens of Kochani, as well as anyone else who feels or could potentially feel this space as their own. The night of the performance, it really became a festive night for the whole of the town of Kochani. People came, they were so happy, like everybody was well-dressed. And so you could see that there is material to be worked around here and that it's not just my idea of how it should be, or but that there are a lot of people who feel the same and who would uh, gladly participate and contribute in some way to this. Kochani being Teodosieva's hometown, it was a pleasure for me to play in front of my, my home audience. And I love this place so much, and I was more than proud to be performing there. And the place was awesome. It was like a magical night. It was summer night, uh, and the auditorium was full. I was nervous like never before. I was performing here at my favorite place, my town, friends, family. They all were here. And my colleagues too, you know, they felt the, the energy as well. And now, uh, when I recall our performance, I can clearly see the way we played. 
very synchronized, full of energy, passing the energy from another one to another. You know, well, like we breathe together, like we were one organism. Something like magic happened, like everything fell in the right place. This event brought the people from Cochini together, even if it was for a couple of hours only. Like the play, you know, like it should be. That was the uh, first time I see something happening on Monument to Freedom. It blew my mind. I, I can believe it that <laughs> I experienced this. And it's something in the air after, after that. In the description of the performance in her master's thesis on the Fatherland Monument to Freedom project at the St. Jo's School of Art and Design at Sertogenbos in the Netherlands, Chemerska wrote, The visitors, the theater crew, the monument, and the surrounding environment mutually engaged in a complex web of relations where each element enhanced the life and the energy of the other. The narrative of the play intertwined with the narrative of the monument, and then they intertwined with the narrative we, who were present, produced at that moment in that place. It was as if all the spirits of the characters of the play, the faces of the people that fought against fascism, and the spirits that the monument honors came and sat beside us for a while. The impact of the event extended beyond the standing ovation. There were like a lot of people who were there and said, uh, this is what we miss here in our town. This is the right thing to do here on this monument. This is what it, this monument was made for, to just bring people together, to go there, see theater, see concerts, you know, maybe some exhibitions and every kind of uh, events that brings people together. It was like the monument was reborn. The following month, in September 2018, Chemerska launched the next phase of her project. In collaboration with the creative studio Kiosk from Skopje, whose co-founders Anastasia Masiewska and Miki Stefanowski donated their time and expertise, the website spomeniknaslobodata.mk, or Monument of Freedom, was born as an online repository of local stories about the monument. Chemerska calls it a diary of the monument. The stories that are collected in that uh, website, they are very important in order to get this sort of layered sentiment that the city nurtures towards that site. The collective memory nurtured around the places we inhabit feeds our affection towards them, the dialogue with them, and the life that we share in them, Chemerska continues. The people of Kochani and the Monument to Freedom are in one way or another connected in the stories they write together. In the physical space occupied by the monument exist numerous spaces of personal memory, different times, lives, and intensities. Sometimes the monument is a mute witness, other times a key actor whose presence is inseparable from the experience itself. Reading through the stories, I noticed quite a few people first went to the monument with their grandfather, including Martin Milev, whose story is also on the website, as is Natalia Teodosieva's. Until a few years ago, it was our place to think. But she left. She went to fight for her future away from her nest. My friend, my Cochani memories, my first cigarette, my first can of beer, our company, they all left in search of freedom. Who then believed that when I go there alone or with the guest that, that I must bring there, 
The stones and stairs would be the only things to remind me of our vow. The mosaic that is embroidered in all colors contains the pictures and stories of that time. And whoever sees it clearly sees all my life's events, like in a film, and will know without a word needed to be spoken how happy and free I was with my friends, holding guitars and bottles of wine instead of weapons. That the characters of the freedom fighters are the faces of my comrades who loved and defended me and who could not have foreseen the day they would just pack up and leave to grow up far from here. And she was the last to pack. She always left last and never left me alone. We were a great team, the only girl's sister in a pack of brothers. Nobody knew about our place, which we spontaneously and very naturally called our place to think. Three stairs, wide enough to accommodate two friends. At first, they were very funny to us, because we could not understand why someone had made three almost imperceptible stairs that lead literally into an abyss, in the opposite direction of the monument, which remains behind you when you sit, as if guarding you while you're thinking. As soon as we comfortably sat on the stairs, lighting the first cigarette, the Plachkovica mountain arose with the calmest of clouds faithfully floating above it. Looking down at the valley, you see rice fields full of water that seem like mirrors to the lofty Plachkovica, reminding you how beautiful and rootless it is. Then the houses begin. Here you stop and start looking for the houses of everyone you know from the town, never leaving the sight of your house. And in the end, the voyeurism always ends with the house of the person you fancy. Every bad day, every problem, every serious conversation was told here on the three funny stairs at our place of reflection. Me and her, and sometimes Bob Marley and everything is gonna be alright. I never stop going there. I am addicted to that place. To the place where I always go to think. Now I go alone. Alone with the faces from the mosaic. I admire Plachkovica alone, I think alone, I solve my own problems. And now I know why someone made these funny stairs that fit two friends. I just don't know when she will return, when any of them will return. When this memory of my freedom would be loud again, and when it will witness friendships. When she will be loved again and protected as I was once. The friend Teodosieva told me lives in Malta and returned to Kochani last year for the first time. Teodosieva was her maid of honor. The following year, in 2019, Chemerska collaborated with the Skopje publishing house Private Print to release the book Monuments to Freedom Conversations. Additional funding came from North Macedonia's Ministry of Culture and the city of Kochani. The book is a compendium of interviews with people from Macedonia and beyond who either participated in the creation of the monument or who are today working in a sphere of modernist heritage. As the book's description states, through combining thorough conversations related to memory, art, architecture, history, history of art, anthropology and sociology of culture, with visual archival material as well as essays and articles published since the monument's erection, the book shines a new light on the possibilities of today's communities that inhabits these spaces to re-inhabit and reuse them as gathering points. Elena Cemerska is actually a friend of mine. 
and I really admire her work. And uh, I was really enthusiastic when I found out about uh, her idea to write about this uh, very important uh, monument. She also invited me to write a review on the book. My key point about this book uh, is about its importance. Uh, when we have in mind uh, the concept of a monument, the main purpose of every uh, monument is linked with the concept of memory, and the main goal of every monument uh, is to last, is to be, in a sense, uh, eternal, uh, to be a material uh, foundation for the eternity of the memory of a significant person or concept or some uh, historical event. Uh, from this perspective, I think that it's uh, very, very important to have in mind that all monuments, they want to last forever. The most important uh, questions are about the process of creating this uh, monument, about the concept of freedom itself, about the role of uh, monuments uh, in cultural uh, history, and also about uh, the destiny of this monument, but not only of this monument, about uh, the destiny of monuments uh, created in the period of uh, ex-Yugoslavia, uh, monuments related uh, to the anti-fascist and liberation uh, war, and about the uh, neglect about uh, this uh, monument. Uh, and that's why I think this book is not only important uh, about uh, the documentation or uh, reflection of this monument, but it has a universal uh, perspective as well. One of the people featured in the book is the friend of the show, Sonia Horvatinčić, an art historian whom you may remember from episode 5, Future Monuments. At first, I was maybe a bit suspicious because this um, has become a sort of a trend that artists, especially artists from former Yugoslavia who live and work abroad in the Western Europe, in, in the US, that this topic has become very appealing. I wasn't immediately fascinated. But uh, then we talked uh, talked a lot and then I realized that uh, basically what she's doing is quite overlapping with my interest, which is uh, actually community work uh, and how to engage uh, the immediate uh, community with uh, with this heritage. What her, her work is about is about the, the community that is preserving in a way and that still has uh, the interest to identify with, with the symbolics uh, that's in the monument and the meaning that it has for this community. In her interview for the book, Horvatinčić pointed to the inability of the West to read monuments like these. This public art, Horvatinčić said, seems to be in conflict with the West's perception of the socialist East as a monolithic system associated with political oppression, something imposed, dictated, unified. And these monuments seem so astonishing precisely because they are all contrary to that. In fact, some of these monuments would even today be considered innovative, open forms of social memory transfer, featuring an amphitheater, an open space that offers democratic participation, allowing for performances. I found it interesting how she uh, approached such sites, which, uh, as I already mentioned, through this new mm, kind of a recent trend of picturing monuments, uh, is quite it's quite different from, from what we know of this kind of art practice, which would be like uh, uh, making some kind of uh, impressive or even exoticized images of the monuments, empty of people, 
emphasizing their deteriorated state. She did exactly the opposite. Uh, she was bringing the people there, uh, knowing that they already are using that space, but she was bringing new content to that platform. And she is also like going back to the function of the monument. She's looking at the genesis of that um, construction and acknowledging that it is a place of social activities. It is imagined and designed to be a platform for some future collective uh, activities, right? We were brought up and lived surrounded with this sort of public infrastructure, Horvatinčić continued in her interview. She spoke about the Yugoslav monuments in general, but her words definitely apply to the Monument of Freedom. People often neglect the fact that these objects continue to have their own life, even after the official state institutions and authorities abandon or reject them. And regardless of their aesthetic and artistic quality, they often remain the symbols and define the public space of local communities, which often built these monuments with their own hands and with their own means, and on which local narratives related to many important community historical events are often written. They are important because they commemorate and affirm the people's history, not just the history of the elites. By putting this monument, this memorial space, back to function, she is also putting an emphasis on its potential, not on its deterioration or its past um, failures. Yeah, It's not a symbol of failure, it is a symbol of uh, perspective or future. Cemerska launched the book at two events, one in Skopje and another at the monument. The Skopje launch was at the same time an exhibition of Elena. Uh, she created one huge canvas in a dialogue with this monument and in a dialogue with uh, her father's uh, work. What was really moving, not only for me, but also for the rest of the audience at that event, that she did it on a one very huge balcony on the opposite side of the street. There was a blue light uh, coming from the studio of her father. So it was a very uh, powerful tribute to Grigor Chemerski as well. The recent popularity of Yugoslav World War II monuments has led to increased tourism to these sites. But Chemerska is guarded about revitalizing the monument for tourism alone. It seems to me that if we only implement these kinds of practices, we push the monument and what it has to say to an early retirement, she says. In her view, since the monument honors a constant state of revolution or struggle as a way of life and one of the ways in which we seek freedom, what's needed is a range of content that honors the site's history and intent. It turns out that I am not the only one who feels that way, Chemerska continues, and that we are not few in number who share the desire to heal the monument in which reside pieces of our own and collective memories. Again, we go back to the feeling that the city has for this monument. It's really a part of the city. I always visit the municipality of Kochani there, say hi to everybody because they were so kind. Last time I went, they showed me these souvenirs that they started making, magnets for fridges and stuff, and they have the Monument to Freedom on them. And this is maybe a banal example, but people of Kochani are quite aware that um, in today's maybe established practices of um, cultural industries, etc., this could generate jobs and also gain for the city of Kochani to put it on a cultural map. In a sense, this um, tourist um, logic um, is contrary to the deeper message of, of these uh, places. But then again, compromises have to be made when it comes to this. And I think that if um, this is something that's left open, that uh, it could be uh, remodified if it doesn't work or that the model is constantly retaught or um, improved, it could be a good thing for the city.
the municipality currently is quite keen on on uh, regaining its former sort of glory, let's say. I think that there are different um, people and different efforts that are being done in order to restore this monument in all its um, utilitarian um, potential. In September 2018, local TV channel Aid reported that the municipality of Kochani applied for a 345,000 euro grant from the World Bank to restore the monument, including landscaping. These rehabilitation efforts were initiated in part by renewed local interest in the monument, most notably manifested by the theatrical performance of Salonika City of Ghosts and the Music Festival of Freedom held at the monument, said TV channel Aid. The grant ended up being not funded. But Chemerska is working on another potential source of funding for the monument's restoration. There is a whole team of conservators and legal experts and artists and architects. We are applying to get permissions to restore a bit the most rundown parts of the monument, at least, so that we stop further devastation, which could be maybe fatal in some instances for the edifice. Chemerska believes in the potential of the monument to bring together and energize the community. There's still much that could be done. And I think that uh, organization around this could do wonders for the feeling of the cultural scene working in Kochani as well, because there are people there who would benefit greatly from opening this space for uh, producing and generating further cultural content there. This is why I mention constantly the collaborations. So I think that this organization and this sort of friendships that came out of it, and these are not empty words, I'm not just saying it because uh, solidarity sounds nice, but because really you see that there is a lot of people who come from their own background and have their own uh, relation to this uh, place. and But somehow our separate relations to the place connect us into being able to together form something uh, which will continue on in the future and which will be a bit better than just not doing anything and remaining in this status quo sort of position. And I think that the status quo position is a painful point for many of us who come from countries such as Macedonia, which don't have on their own the power, the, the manpower, the brain power, the um, organizational sort of infrastructure, the anything to to sort of get out of this vortex of deterioration in which they have fallen. So I think that decisions to work together towards something, I think they're really healthy and they produce a culture that is alive.
was Brene's propaganda from Skopje, by their music. In the song I'm Not Pretty Anymore, they allude to the transition from Yugoslavia to Macedonia. We lost the father and got a fatherland, they sing, the father being Tito, I'm guessing, and the fatherland a space for the Macedonian nation. And Christmas came after the revolution, the oath became a prayer, the oath being the young pioneer oath. I imagine the one that's no longer pretty is freedom, which in all Slavic languages is a feminine word. Fatherland, by contrast, is masculine. I speculate that perhaps this too is part of Chemerska's fight for the monument to freedom. On the Monument Stories website, she writes, This joint project, in fact the attempt to revive this monument during our time of uncertainty and desolation, is our greeting to all freedom-loving people around the world, and the different circumstances in which they lead their struggles. What's next for Fatherland, a monument to freedom? There is a plan for making a documentary film, which was supposed to be done this year, but then with the COVID pandemic, it was impossible to shoot on, on the spot. And this would hopefully bring um, wider audiences to pay attention or to look uh, at the stories that unravel around this place. Uh, again, stories that are related to narratives that <laughs> still resonate today. This film is something that I've been getting ready to work on for a while now. And I hopefully will be able to do it this year. And also there are plans of um, maybe possible interactions with people from the Balkans who are doing amazing jobs in their own respective countries. Because this year is the 40th anniversary of the monument. And I applied to see if I'll get the permission to organize a little conference there where people can share their good practices and similar projects so that the Kochani community, but also wider public could see that we are not alone in this, let's say, that there are different um, groups of people similar to us who are doing their own versions of this same thing, which would be, I think, very beautiful because, again, friendship multiplies that way. The country's Ministry of Culture did not approve funding for this event in the open call for projects of national interest concerning the protection of cultural heritage. In response, Chemerska told me, I personally think this unfortunate decision is another indicator of the general state of culture in North Macedonia. Deriving as I do a sort of therapeutic benefit from the Remembering Yugoslavia project, and keeping in mind Chemerska's personal reasons for undertaking Fatherland the Monument to Freedom, I ask her whether she too has seen any therapeutic effects from her work. There probably is a therapeutic uh, moment in it, but it's more of, of the possibility to take things into your own hands and organize in a sense that you could build something that makes more sense than the everyday life which is going on around you with which you firmly disagree and uh, the principles of which you are against. So maybe in that sense, it, it was, of course, quite therapeutic because I, I mentioned a bit before that I was in a really weird place when I began dealing with this project. I mean, I didn't like how my country looks like and uh, how everything is being led there. At the same time, I'm moving somewhere else. Um, I, don't, I don't also intend to completely leave this place that I am leaving. I have so many relations to it and so much love there. The past, in a sense, is always present with you. But at the same time, what to do with this dissatisfaction, let's say. So I think that it was quite a healthy way to take this agency huh, and uh, use it into something that would make you feel happier. <laughs> in an interview she gave to Private Print as part of the book's promotion, Chemerska said her project isn't just about the monument to freedom. 
It also looks at the system of values and ideas that contain something noble in themselves that today waits to be awakened and activated and used in a new worthy cause. So of course I must ask her about Yugoslavia. I was born too late to have my own memory of Yugoslavia. I was raised, of course, in a value system that definitely came out of that specific experience because I'm the first generation that was born in the new autonomous Macedonia. It's quite interesting because it opens this space where um, your body becomes the, the locus where this change happens, where the old values are being replaced by some new values. I mean, we transited it into this sort of more westernized, let's say, point of view or whatever. I do have my issues with North Macedonia, and we could speak volumes more on this. But um, I, I, I think that what's very interesting when, when it comes to Yugoslavia always, that uh, this whole Balkan region and this Yugoslav experience after World War II, I think that it's a place where something very specific happened, and that this is an experience that continues to resonate strongly today. While we're facing our own troubles, our own pressing collective issues uh, connected to these tectonic migrations that come from wars, these waves of xenophobia and right-wing populism that's jumping out of everywhere in the world, and uh, of course the environmental degradation, which is unprecedented. The experience of Yugoslavia is very, very specific, and I think that it has a lot of things that can be learned from it. Many of the advantages that we received then with the modernization and with the sort of massive education and uh, healthcare and women's emancipation movements and all of these things, I think that it's a very special thing that uh, happened back then and it has its flaws, but um, it's not a period that we can just put it aside. Uh, I think it's still echoes and that there are certain aspects of it that hold potential in them, which could be further used for building a better future together. A work can reach universal and cosmic heights, but it requires partners, wrote Ilya Penushlisky in the Conversations book. In Elena Chemerska, the monument of freedom, indeed freedom itself, have found an ideal partner, one with ideas, determination and follow-through that are needed to pull something like this off. I'm definitely inspired. If Chemerska's project preserves her father's artistic and cultural legacy in some ways, she carries his legacy forward in another way too. When the monument was unveiled 40 years ago, Gligor Chemerski said in an interview that for him freedom was inseparable from responsibility. It would be easy to moralize here, said Chemerska as a shining beacon of an example to her peers and, well, everyone else in the region beset by skepticism. But whether it's the theater play, the academic book, all the personal stories, or whatever is yet to come, the story of the Monument of Freedom at Kochani, as picked up by Chemerska and her collaborators, like a red thread in a maze of time, shows he had a point. Freedom isn't free, Americans like to say. Indeed, it takes a lot of work from a lot of people. And since I'm on the quote trajectory here, let me close with perhaps the best-known one of them all, by Margaret Mead. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. It takes but one to say enough and get things started.
That's all for this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia. Thank you for listening. Find additional information, photos, and the transcript of this episode at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash podcast. If you like this podcast, become a monthly supporter at patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia or make a one-time contribution at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash donate. Outro music courtesy of Robert Petrich, additional music by Nosense, Gogovsky, and Petar Alargic licensed and used under Creative Commons. Songs by Martix, The John and Space Rebel Gang, and Bernays Propaganda used with permission and eternal gratitude. Buy their music. Special thanks to Urban Makedon. I am Peter Korchniak. Ciao. Thank you.